Okay, tonight we ask the children, we're going to see a 14-minute video. I'm telling you that it's that long because your parents, I need you to go with me. It's about Thanksgiving, but it's the rest of the story, like Paul Harvey would say. There is more that went on that God did that some of it, I never heard it before. I never knew. But he had his fingers in it way ahead of time. And so we're going to watch a video tonight on the Indian named Squanto and um, what God did with him and how he used him to uh, be a blessing to Americans, the pilgrims when they came. So, and, and then we're going to get in the Word of God. So let's watch the video. Let's the kids enjoy it. And you, you older people, you're not that grown up, so just enjoy. I know some of you. You're still, you're still kids. It was in the year of our Lord, 1608. Few white men had ever seen North America, but everywhere there were various tribes of natives, some who were friendly and trusting, others who were fierce and cruel. On the chilly, gray coast of what is today called Massachusetts, there lived a tribe called the Patuxets, who were as friendly and trusting as any that lived. One of them, a boy of about 12, was called Tisquantum, or Squanto. One day, while Squanto and some other Patuxet braves were hunting for lobsters along the shore, they saw a giant vessel. It was the size of a hundred canoes, the men aboard it wore strange clothing and had hair on their faces like fur. But Squanto was not frightened. He had heard of such men. These are the men who come every few years from the world across the water, Squanto told his friends. They have come to trade with us. Squanto knew that they often brought bright beads, glinting knives, axe heads, and iron pots to exchange for animal pelts and furs. Let's see what they have brought us, Squanto said, and he and his companions excitedly ran down to the water. At first, the men seemed friendly to the young braves and offered them food. But then, without warning, the men attacked. They grabbed the trusting Pawtuxets and threw them to the ground, tying stiff ropes around their wrists and feet. Squanto had never been so frightened. The men dragged the braves to their giant ship and threw them into the dark hold beneath the ship's deck, laughing all the while. Then they locked the hatch above. Squanto shivered in the darkness. The ropes hurt his wrists and ankles. The ship began to move, and Squanto did not know where he was going, or indeed if he would ever see sunlight again. Why had these men done this? Squanto listened to the water lapping against the hull of the ship. Somehow, he knew that he was leaving the world of his childhood forever. Days passed, and then weeks. They had traveled for so long that it seemed to Squanto they must now be on the other side of the sky, behind the moon and the sun and stars. Where were they going? Then one day the ship dropped anchor. At long last they had come to land. The hatch was opened, and Squanto and his fellow captives were brought ashore. The glaring sun burned their eyes. The air was dry and hot, and everything was dusty from the great heat. 
Squanto did not know it yet, but he was now in the country of Spain in a city called Malaga. One of the men from the ship roughly herded Squanto and the other braves toward a crowd of people on the dock. One by one, the braves were forced to stand before the jeering crowd. They were being sold as slaves. Squanto watched his companions as each one was sold and taken away forever. But God had another plan for Squanto. On the dock that morning stood a group of men who were different from the others. These men were called monks, and they served God. When it was Squanto's turn to be sold, one of the monks held up a small bag of heavy coins. A man from the ship snatched the coins and shoved Squanto toward the monks. As the monks led Squanto to the monastery where they lived, they spoke kindly to him in words Squanto could not understand. The monks fed Squanto, gave him a comfortable place to sleep, and helped him understand that they meant him no harm. As time passed, the monks taught Squanto their language and about their faith. They explained that the God they worship saw everything that had ever happened. He knows the future as well as the past, the monks explained, and all the people in the world are God's children. God loves you, they said, and he has seen all you have been through. If you will trust him, he will use those difficulties in ways you could never imagine. The monks knew that Squanto missed his family, so they tried to help him find a way to go back home to America. Finally, they came upon a good plan. But first, Squanto would have to travel all the way to England. That's where the trading ships were that sometimes sailed across the great Atlantic Ocean to Squanto's home. So about five years after Squanto had first arrived in Spain, the time finally came for him to leave. He bid the dear monks farewell and traveled northward in a ship to London, England. London was an unbelievable sight. It made the city of Malaga seem as small as the Pawtuxet village. There were soaring towers that seemed to touch the clouds and long bridges that stretched all the way across the great river Thames. All the streets were filled with people and horses and carriages. And in a great palace, there lived a man whom the Londoners called King James. He was the great chief, the sachem of that entire land. The monks had sent Squanto to the home of a London merchant named John Slaney. After hearing Squanto's story, Slaney and his family welcomed Squanto into their home. As soon as I find another ship headed for America, Slaney promised, you will be on it, Squanto. Squanto's heart leaped. He was going home. But it might be a long while before such a ship is found, Slaney warned. Until then, you will stay here with us. We will teach you our language and our ways. Perhaps you will be able to pay your passage back to America by working as a translator on one of the trading ships. Squanto sighed heavily, but at least now there was hope. He would stay in London with the Slaneys and work in their stables until a ship was found that would carry him home. At last, five long years later, in the year 1618, a ship was found, 
Squanto could hardly believe it. It had been 10 years since he had been kidnapped from Patuxet as a boy of 12. At long last, he was going home. With tears in his eyes, Squanto bid farewell to the Slaneys and to the great city of London with all its towers and bridges. Then Squanto boarded the ship and sailed westward toward America. Far across the Atlantic Ocean, the ship stopped in Newfoundland at a large trading post where it would remain until spring. Again, Squanto waited. When at last spring arrived, Squanto boarded the ship one more time. As the many days passed, Squanto thought back over the last ten years. Had he imagined them? Was he really going home? Peering across the waters, he saw land. Land ho! he yelled. Hurrah! As the ship drew closer, Squanto saw that he was not far from where he had been kidnapped all those years ago. Home! Squanto went ashore and immediately began running toward his village. But something was wrong. The fields around the village were empty and untended. There was no one on the path to greet him. When he reached the village, there wasn't a soul to be seen. Not even a dog barked at his arrival. What had happened? Worried and confused, Squanto walked to the village of a neighboring tribe some miles away. There, Squanto learned the terrible news. While he had been away, a terrible illness had struck. His whole village had become sick. No one had survived. This news was more than Squanto could bear. Had his years of exile and his long journey back been for nothing? How could God allow this to happen? For a time, Squanto lived with this neighboring tribe. But as he watched the happy families all around him, his sadness only grew. Finally, he went to live in the woods by himself. There, Squanto sat, listening to the wind and to the birds singing in the swaying trees. As he pondered the great sorrow in his heart, he talked to God. When the trees began to bud again, a tribesman from another village came to visit Squanto. His name was Samoset, and he told an amazing story. The year before, a shipload of families had come and settled in Patuxet, in the very place where Squanto had lived as a boy. Samoset told Squanto he must come and see them. Squanto agreed. When Squanto came to the edge of what had once been his village, he marveled at the changes that had been made. Then he saw them, English people. They spoke and dressed just like those who had been so kind to him in London. Squanto rejoiced to see children again playing on the land where he himself had played. Squanto approached the English people and began speaking to them in their own language. Good morning, he called. My name is Squanto. The English were so amazed that they could not speak. How did this native know their language so well? Then Squanto told them the sad story of his kidnapping, of his time in Spain and London, and of his long journey home. Then the English people told Squanto of their own search for a home. Because these people, who were called pilgrims, chose to worship God differently from other English people, many of them had been arrested 
and thrown into jail. So they had left England and traveled to Holland, where they lived for several years. But when the pilgrims saw that their children were forgetting the English ways and were picking up the habits of the new country, the pilgrims decided to travel across the ocean to the new world. They trusted that God would lead them to a new home. And God led us to this very spot, one of the pilgrims said. We have named it Plymouth in honor of the town in England where we once lived. Then they told Squanto about the terrible first winter in their new home. Half of them had died from sickness and starvation. We didn't have time to build proper houses, they explained. The winds were bitter and the cold came in through the cracks in our huts. Many of us were already sick and weak from the long journey across the ocean. And then there wasn't enough food. As the pilgrims told their story, the sorrow in their voices broke Squanto's heart. He knew what it was like to lose loved ones. William Bradford, the governor of Plymouth, then spoke. It is just like the story of Joseph from our sacred scriptures, he said. Like you, Joseph was also taken from his home and sold as a slave, but God had a plan for him. Through Joseph, God was able to save many people from starving. What man had intended for evil, God intended for good. Then Bradford smiled at Squanto. Perhaps God has sent you to be our Joseph, he said. In the weeks that followed, Squanto felt like a child again. It was so good to see his village filled with people. The pilgrims worked hard to learn the ways of their new home. Squanto showed them how to plant corn by burying three kernels along with the fish for fertilizer. He taught them how to find and catch eels in the muddy streams, and he showed them the best places to look for lobster among the sea rocks. When autumn came, the pilgrims decided to set aside a time to thank God for his merciful blessings. They invited Squanto and the other braves from Sambleset's tribe to join them. When the great day came, 90 warriors appeared from the forest, carrying deer, wild turkey, and all manner of vegetables. This would be a great feast. When everyone was seated, Governor Bradford began to pray. Thank you, Lord, for sending Squanto to us, he prayed. We know that your hand has been on him through all of his trials and that you have prepared him to be our guide and our friend in a time of great need. Squanto is your living answer to our tears and prayers. And in his heart, Squanto also thanked God for the pilgrims, for they had shown Squanto that God really had used him as part of his great plan, just as the Spanish monks had said so many years before. Hallelujah! Who but the glorious God of heaven could so miraculously weave together the wandering lives of a lonely Pawtuxet brave and a struggling band of English pilgrims in such a way that would bless the whole world for centuries to come? Is that not good? I want to go over this now, and I know the kids are in here, but I want to go over a few things. First of all, let's go over a few things in history, and I'm going to give you a scripture. In Deuteronomy 31.8, let me read this to you. 
and it, and it has to do with you now. And the Lord, he is one who goes before you, and he will be with you, and he will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. I want you to think about the magnitude of what we just watched. There is a group of people called separatists in England who God is leading to get away and and to start a country, to go to a nation and start a new nation. Now think about the magnitude. There's um, There's only 50 of them that came over. Uh, but before they were able to go to America, they they went to Holland first. Now, you might think, well, they got sidetracked. They didn't get sidetracked at all. When they got to Holland, they lived among the Jews. And they the, the Holland or Amsterdam was a place of refuge that people went. It also became a hodgepodge of all kinds of people, good and bad. That's why they eventually left because they didn't want their kids around that influence. But let's think about this for a minute because these are people that God is going to use to start a nation under God. And there's only 50 of them. So he takes them to a group in in Amsterdam where they are with Jews who taught them how to run God's government. This is where they learned how to form a constitution of the people, by the people, and for the people. They didn't know it when they left Europe, but God had a great plan. So they go to Holland, and all the while, they're praying. Now think about the fact that these are a praying people, and their God is going before them, so there's a place that we now call Plymouth Rock. Well, you need to understand, these people were not going to Massachusetts, they were going to Jamestown, Virginia, but somehow... Or another, the wind got under the boat, a storm broke out, and blew them to the wrong place. Say maybe the right place. There had been a tribe there that was, um, um, what's his name, the Indian boy. Um, There was a tribe there that had gotten wiped out, and there was really only one place in in Massachusetts that they could have settled and not had problems with the Indians and killed them all. So when they landed there, the tribe that was there was completely gone. That means no one had taken ownership of the land. Now, um, when the Indian boy... Um, was captured, first they took him to Spain. The monks did not believe in slavery, so they took their money and bought him, and then they took him to the monastery, and they spent five years teaching him about Jesus. Now, I'm going to jump way ahead of myself because why would he need to know about Jesus? He's going to make a treaty between the Indians and the pilgrims and bring peace. 
Come on, y'all. Don't get, don't get too excited on me right now. I'll think I'm doing all right. So here's, here's this boy that gets captured, goes and lives among the monks who eventually turn around and send him to London to where he can learn the ways of the English and learn the English language. Then they put him on a boat and send him back to the rock that they captured him from, the very rock the pilgrims were blown to so that he's now in the woods waiting on them to come. These people have spent a year. They were going to Jamestown where there was food, housing, and provision, but no, they didn't get to Jamestown. They went to a place where there was nothing, and they were dying of starvation until the day an Indian boy steps out and says, can I help you? In English. And they're going, what? I read that scripture because the, the, the monks told him that maybe he's like a Joseph and maybe God has a plan for his life. And you think about the fact that we're going to get to you now. We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving, but I'm going to tell you all something. I'm going to, let's just talk about this. Did you know that God has been working on stuff right now that's going to affect you next year and next year? I mean, he's working now, seven, eight, ten years from now, to make sure that whenever you get where you're going, whatever you need is already there. You might think you stumbled on this church. You didn't stumble anywhere. God already had a plan. Now, you know, when I, when I left Ramah, you know, I, I had my season and my time and what's going on, God, and, and I went through my divorce. And, and I, mean, I, mean, I, I mean, there's times in your life where you look around and go, where are you? I mean, I am going through a lot of trouble. I know y'all don't know anything about that, so we'll just come over here and talk. But, but do you think that God did not know about Lisa? Do you think he didn't know about Word of Life? Do you think he didn't know about Apopka? I mean, he knew about all of this when I got born again. I'm the one that didn't know about it. And yet, the, the things that happened to me along the way, God has always been leading me and guiding me and making sure I pop in the right place and people pop in the right place at the right time. Come on, y'all. Imagine, now we're not, no, no, we're not, we're, we're talking about one rock where a boy was captured, got back, speaks English, the ship's blown to that rock. I mean, what, what is the chances? Somewhere between zero and nothing. So what, 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 now he learned one other thing while he was with the monks. He learned how to grow. Now he also knew it from his family. So the rest of the story that I studied today was the fact that there was certain times in the river there were these fish that would, would swim upstream by the thousands. And they're really so stinking many of them that without them, you wouldn't have fertilizer. In other words, he's taking them and saying, okay, here's how you are going to live. 
You're going to need to be at the river this month. You're going to need to be getting the lobsters this month. You're going to need to grow corn. And he taught them how to grow corn, use the corn stalks to grow the bean vine zone, and then the nitrogen from the beans and the corn made sure the squash grew without him being there, without his knowledge and him, they wouldn't have, they would have died. There would be no America. You and I wouldn't be sitting here worshiping God, but God had a plan. Now, if, if God can be, now, now let, let, let me go back to this story. So, so they, they decided to get together, and so, so because the, the, the tribes had dwindled down, normally they would be fierce. Normally they would have killed the Americans because the, many of the white people that came over, some were nice, some were not. And so because of that, they had already made up their mind not to tolerate any more white people. But then, um, um, what's his name? Squanto. 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 I've been saying it all day. I want to call him Sasquatch. Squanto. Because Squanto had learned from the monks forgiveness. Now, come on, y'all. Y'all got to get excited about this. He is able to go to the chief of the tribe, talk to him about forgiving the whites, went to the Americans or the pilgrims, talked to them about forgiving the Indians, and then he got together and got them into a peace treaty, which we would call a blood covenant that lasted for over 50 years, and the day of Thanksgiving, they're celebrating a blood covenant that they cut with the Indians and moved into the land, and God has established in America, but I want you to understand if he's doing all of that, if God is able to be that precise, how precise is he with you right now while you're sitting here wondering what you're going to do next week, next month, next, let me tell you something, he's already got next week, next month, and next year, he's got people, Mary Fran prophesied over Lisa and I, and she said, there are people you have yet to meet. So tomorrow, now, I, I forgot one piece of the story. The pilgrims looked at the Indians and went, how in the world are we going to feed them? And the Indians went, and the chief said, go get food. And they went in the forest and came out with five deer, turkey, lobsters, honey, goose, geese, ducks. Tur- I mean, they, they brought f- food for three days. That was the first Thanksgiving. And that, Paul Harvey, is the rest of the story. Isn't that cool? How come we never learned this in school? Because they didn't know it themselves. Let me read another story to you. Here's them. Here's the Bradford and the chief making a peace treaty and cutting a covenant. That's that's. That's awesome. And they lived in peace. Oh, I forgot one part of the story. Oh, thank you, Jesus. When they got there, they had decided to create a commune. Socialism. No one owned land. But the bums wouldn't work. 
And the good people wouldn't either because they didn't want to share with the bums. So Bradford wrote in his diary that the only way to do this is called free enterprise. And they taught the Indians free enterprise and they taught the people free and everyone owned their own piece of land and they wrote the charter for our constitution of the United States of America. And the Indians and the, and the pilgrims got along until bad people came back in the scene. Now, all of this happened on this one spot that they got accidentally blown to. Where did God blow you to lately? What is it you're going through right now and you're wondering, what in the world is happening to me? Might want to relax and just rejoice in the Lord and amen. You know, I'm going to read one more scripture to you. Isaiah 45, I will go before you. I will make your crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze. I will cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you will know that I am the Lord you who call you by your name. I am the God of Israel. Come on, Barbara, that's good preaching. You know, there's a lot of things happen to us, all of us. A lot of stuff happens. But isn't it amazing how somehow or another it seems to work? You know, you think about the magnitude of what God pulled off. Only God could have an English Indian waiting on him. I mean, that's a, that's a miracle of, that's massive. But, we're, but they're not the only ones he cares about. Tomorrow we're celebrating Thanksgiving. I will enter his gates. Thanksgiving is the access point. To the presence of God. While these people were in England, they were praying. While they were in Amsterdam, they were praying. Though it did not appear that God was moving, He was moving. He was able to look way down the road and go, they're gonna need some help when they get to America. They're going to need some food when they get. They're going to need a treaty with the Indians when they get to America. They're, 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 my God shall supply all of my needs. Listen, he's, I mean, he's already a year out. He's already two years out. He's already three years out. He's already 10 years out from you right now. He knew you were going to be here today. He already had all of this. Listen, nothing that you're going through has ever caught God by surprise. 
But those prayers you prayed, Kathy, 10 years ago, some of them are happening now. Some of those prayers you prayed years ago, and you're going, where is he? Let me tell you something. Listen, don't give up right now. He's still working on your case. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a quote from a Chinese proverb that Lisa gives me all the time. When the student's ready, the teacher appears. You see, there are some things you don't need right now. They didn't need Squanto until they needed Squanto. Now, that's only one story. Can you imagine all that happened that God did to form this nation? Do you think he's going to let it go? No. Do you think he didn't know we would go through what we're going through? I said something Sunday. We ought to be the happiest people on the earth. Not because circumstances are good, but because God is good. This is awesome, isn't it? I was at home today and I was preparing another sermon. I was looking at it and, and the Lord kept bringing up Thanksgiving and I'm going, I, see, I don't like holidays, sermons. They're hard to preach. And boy, when he started showing me this, I went, wow, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. There's a lot of stuff Lisa and I talk about in our marriage. And we looked backwards. And I can tell you God had his hand. Long before I ever met her. You know, moved to Orlando. What's in Orlando? Are you serious? But her and I have sat and talked about that. And we don't use this word in faith and the word can't. The providential hand of God. But you know, there's things I've prayed about. I will see my family serve God. I will see. I got prayers I don't. I hadn't had answered yet. Come on, come on. Someone say amen. I, I, see, I got stuff that I'm still, I've been praying about it. I ain't seen the answer yet, but I'll see it. We'll see it. I don't think God ignored me. This is good, isn't it? Let me quote one more scripture to you. Psalm 100, go over there real quick. Thanksgiving is not just a good idea. It's a God idea. Mark Hankins made a statement. He said, while you're worshiping here, God is working back at the farm. Back at the ranch. He said he was watching a cowboy movie one time, and when they were in town, he said, and back at the ranch. While you're praying here, God's doing something somewhere else, getting you ready for the time you're going to need that. 
So it says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know the Lord, he is God. It is he that made you and not yourselves. You're his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. I, I think this with all of my heart. God wants to see faith. When you walk in the throne room, he wants you to go, thank you. you go, he, he goes, for what? For what you're about to do. Don't get mad at me, but don't cry. Thank him. Thank him. Right now, thank him for what he's doing. But don't just thank him for what he's doing. Thank him now for what you hadn't even seen that he is doing. Now think about this for a minute. He mentioned that Squanto was like who? Joseph. Now you know, Joseph's father and his brothers had no idea. But God saw the famine. God saw Pharaoh. God saw it. And, and later when Joseph met his brothers, he said, do not be angry. I am not upset at you for what you did. Because God knew I needed to be here for you and prepared a place for you. Let me tell you something. Some of the people you're upset at right now, leave them alone. Listen, they're not, they're not controlling it, you. Listen, commit your way to God. Listen, they that are led by the Spirit of God or the sons of God, there's no one on the earth that can take you anywhere that God don't want you to go. People are not the ones that are your problem. Just trust God that whatever he's doing in your life, he knows what he's doing. We've all had times where we look back and went, what is going on? I mean, this is not what I signed up for. And you look back and go, that was God. That was God. At a time that I'm sitting here in this church and Cindy Duval walks up to me out of the blue and said, you remind me of Mark Hankins. I said, I heard of him. There was a word in due season 
And that year I went to Kissimmee and found Mark. Let me tell you something. God's got, he's got your answer. Somebody is going to give you a word soon. And it's going to be what you needed to hear. He's going to lead you and guide you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let me give you one more thing. Quit trying to be someone else. God didn't lead Squanto the way he led anybody else. and lead Joseph. You're not, jo- if you, listen, God's got a plan. Let him do it. There's a lot, there's way too much worry that goes on about stuff you can't control. Woo! I think it pleases God for you to stop and go, there is a God and I'm not him. We're all going to look back one day at the hand of God. And one thing he never does, he never tells you more than the next step. Oh, you wished he did. You know why he don't? Because you'll try to do it. (laughs) Delay is not no. (laughs) You know, one of these days we're going to get to walk up to Squanto in heaven and go, tell us your story. He's going to say, there was more than y'all saw on that video. For God to pick that boy who probably had a very tender heart and said, I'm going to use him. And he'll use you. He is using you. I got one more story I want to tell you. It's crazy. I just thought of it. There was a well-known evangelist. I don't know his name. I should learn his name, find out who he is. But he was accustomed to going to large churches and preaching. And one day, someone invited him to a church in North Carolina, and he accepted. And the night that he got to the church, it had rained all day, and a handful of people showed up. And he wrote in his diary, I missed God. The masses were waiting on me, and I am stuck in a church in North Carolina on a rainy night. And he got up and he preached the gospel, and he gave an altar call, and he wrote in his diary, not much happened, but one boy named Billy Graham got saved. Come on, y'all. Didn't do much today. Really? Not much happened on that Wednesday night. A few people came out and watched a Squanto video. (laughs) Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to the people. With one accord gave heed to the things that Philip spoke. Hearing, seeing the miracles and the masses came and the Spirit of God said, Go to a road down by Gaza and speak to one Ethiopian, one man, who was the head of Cadence, the queen's whole department, 
And you, one man, won the nation to God. He left a huge crusade to talk to one guy. Come on, y'all. I got one more story. There was this guy in Athens, Georgia. My mother prayed him into the kingdom. His name was Daryl. An old woman named Virginia Galloway invited him home one day and handed him three books, two by Hagen, one by Copeland, and made him a bologna sandwich and gave him Coke and potato chips. If she had any idea what one bologna sandwich, one Coke, one bag of potato chips, and three books did. Say, God, use me. And don't let me tell you how to do it. I got one more story for you. I got seven minutes. I can use all the time here. I'm in Russia, and um, they gave me a young boy that is my interpreter to go to with me to the churches I'm preaching at. And, um, and I'm preaching at little churches, and I just think I'm doing wonderful. These people really need to hear me preach. You know, and I probably went four or five, six churches. At the end of the week, my interpreter looked at me, and, and every day, every day, we're not, I'm not preaching. He is firing questions at me left and right, left and right, left and right. He's asking. We would get alone. He would start asking me questions, and we'd talk for hours. At the end of the week, he said, I've got to go home. I'm from the country of Tartarus. In my city is like 100,000 people. We have a church. Do you believe God wants a second one? I said, I would think that would be good. I didn't go to Russia to preach in these churches. God sent me to Russia to train a boy to go pastor. 100,000 people in a city, and I never saw him again. Are y'all out there? Do you go... Say, God is good. good. Say, he's real big. (laughs) Say, he can blow my boat anywhere he wants to blow my boat. (laughs) Say, he's got it. He has this. I I, I think one of the things that's the worst thing we do is worry it, it, we have to have a day. Why do we have to have a day to thank God? We just have a whole lifetime. I really want you to take what you heard here tonight to heart. God moved mightily to get this nation started. He, I mean, he pulled some stuff. If he can do that, he's, he's doing it with you too. 
Rosa, he's got bigger plans than you do. I mean, I just, he just got. You too. Your best days are ahead of you. You think I just did the dew drop in tonight. You didn't do the dew drop in. Y'all listen, y'all hearing this? We worry way more than we need to and worship way less. We need to really quit trying to fix stuff and just let God do it. There's one thing I want to see on video is when he steps out and in perfect English says, good good afternoon. (laughs) It said said in the video, they, they didn't know what. How in the world did we come up with an Indian who speaks perfect English? Well, I'm God. I've been in the woods a year waiting on y'all to get here. (laughs) Father God, I want to say thank you. We're not here tonight by accident. We didn't do the do drop in here. You've had our lives planned. You've been planning things, leading us and guiding us way more than we've ever known it. Sometimes the biggest problem has been us. We've been in the way, but you have ways when we get out of your will to get right back in it again. And what, What appears to be a mess to you is not a mess at all. You're leading us and guiding us, and our best days are ahead. I say thank you that you've got next week, next month, and next year. You're already there. You're already there. You've already got everything we need where we're going. We don't have a worry in the world. And I just want to say tonight, thank you. Thank you for how you've led us. Thank you for the person who led us to the Lord. Thank you for the one that was there getting us filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the one that taught us the Word of God. Thank you for the ones that you have placed in our life. All along the way, you have placed men and women in my life and Lisa's life and the lives of all of us that are in this room. You have always been there. Maybe we've had our squantos. Maybe we've been squanto. Maybe we were the ones standing there when someone arrived and we went. We've been here waiting on you. Someone needed us. And Father, if you can use a boy, simple boy, to turn and save a nation, There's nothing you can't do. We don't have a care in the world. For the ones of us that have been worrying, forgive us. You're a big, big God. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Just spend some time thanking him. Just thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. I'm going to suggest something to you. You don't have to do this. Some of you are going to get to be around people who were not in church tonight and have never heard this. Don't be afraid to stand up tomorrow among your family and say, let me tell you how big God. Can I tell you the Christmas story? You can reduce it for Thanksgiving, right? Don't, don't, don't let the mashed potatoes get cold while you're talking. Tomorrow we're going to go over to um, Cody's and JC's and Che. And 
I've asked if I can stand. I'm just going to stand up and tell the same story. It needs to be told. It's a story of God. It needs to be told. And from now on, when your kids are getting older and Thanksgiving comes around, tell them the story. Tell them how big God is, how good God is. He's big God. He's big God. Amen. You got this? I didn't want to go a long, long time tonight. Lisa told me today, she said there will be people that need to get back to cooking and baking. I just want you to remember to bring the tithes of all pies. Justin, he's not the pastor. Justin doesn't get the tithe. He's a little guy. He's a little I want you all to have a great Thanksgiving. I love you. God loves you. Your best days are ahead. Father God, thank you for them. Bless them as they go out tonight. Bless them as they go home. And prepare to be with their families tomorrow. And I pray that, Father, the Spirit of God will be in their houses as they talk about the goodness of God. In our best days as a nation, they're ahead. Our best days are ahead. You already knew about this. Our best days are ahead. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.